0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland's annual State of the Schools. It's Thursday, November 9th, and I'm Kristen Baird-Adams, President of the Board of Directors of the City Club, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. Our year-round forums would not be possible if it were not for the generous support by our donors and our sponsors. Today's event certainly is no exception. With our friends at Key Bank, and my colleagues at PNC, presenting the 2023 State of the Schools, with additional support from the Good Community Foundation, Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer, and Cuyahoga County Community College. We extend our sincere thanks to them, to our good friends at Ideastream Public Media for their partnership in producing today's forum, and to Nordson for its continued support of the City Club's Education Innovation Series. Since 2011, the state of the schools has served as a moment of reflection on the many opportunities and challenges facing Cleveland's public schools, and as a forum to hear insights on our progress on both fronts. During last year's address, the stage was set for the baton to be passed to the next era of leadership as an exhaustive search began for the successor to longtime Cleveland Metropolitan School District CEO, Eric Gordon. The search process included thousands of stakeholder surveys, interviews with dozens of parents, teachers, and local constituents, and even live-streamed interviews with the finalists. In May of this year, Dr. Warren Morgan was announced as CMSD's new CEO, and it is my distinct honor to introduce him today for his first State of the Schools address. Before coming to CMSD, Dr. Morgan served as Chief Academic Officer of the Indianapolis Public Schools, where during his tenure, the district realized improvements in student performance, in math and English, and in high school graduation rates. He also held leadership roles at Teach for America and the Chicago Public Schools, and also served as a White House Fellow fellow for Presidents Obama and Trump. Dr. Morgan's appointment as CEO CEO of CMSD is a bit of a homecoming, as not only does he have family here in Cleveland, but he previously worked, as many of you know, for CMSD during the early days of the Cleveland plan as the network leader of the investment phase two schools. He was driven then, as he is today, by his firm belief that a student's race, identity, economic status, or zip code should not determine life outcomes, and that strong teachers, quality educational programs, and family can change the trajectory of a child's life as they did his. A Chicago native, Dr. Morgan is a graduate of Butler University, University of Missouri-St. Louis, and University of Illinois-Chicago. As CEO, he is responsible for implementing the strategic vision for the district, which serves more than 36,000 students. He also oversees more than 6,500 employees, nearly 100 buildings, and collaborates with educators, students, families, and the community, including through his ongoing listening sessions that so many of you have had the opportunity to be a part of. With the baton firmly now passed, what is next for CMSD and its efforts to create a school district that provides high-quality, equitable education to all of its students? If you have questions for Dr. Morgan, you may text them at any time to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. Members, friends, and guests of the City Club, in addition to many students and teachers and parents and other community members, please join us in welcoming Dr. Warren Morgan.
1: Thank you for that warm introduction, Kristen. And it is just great to be here uh, with all of you here today uh, for my first State of the School speech. I'm so excited to share with you my reflections of things I've learned in my early days, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, But I first want to just thank our educators that are here, our scholars. We have uh, 24 schools that are represented here. Um, And then parents, I know we have parents that are in the house. Uh, I do this, yes, let's give them all a hand. Also, so many of our community partners, we have the Cleveland and Gun Foundations, um, and also uh, our partners in education, CTU led by Sherry Obrinsky, and so many of our other collective bargaining uh, uh, units that are here as well. And also, I just want to give another uh, thanks to the City Club and Dan Malthrop, who has been a partner to me in making sure that this event uh, goes really well today. So I'm just so grateful. Uh, But there's a a couple of uh, guests that I also want to make sure that I I, I acknowledge. Uh, First and foremost, we have the Honorable Mayor Justin Bibb in the house. And Mayor Bibb. Just yesterday, I was meeting with uh, U.S. Deputy Secretary of Education, Cindy Martin. She met you earlier when she was uh, visiting here earlier this year, and she wanted to tell me uh, to tell you hello. But she also said she never met a mayor that was so committed to education. So thank you for your support. I also saw, yes, we have our city council president, Blaine Griffin, here. Also, the leaders I had the fortune to work alongside and do this work with, the hard work with, I want our CMSD Board of Education to please stand and be acknowledged. There are a couple of other special guests that I have uh, today that I want to acknowledge. My 11th grade high school physics teacher is in the house. I think I see her right over there. Mrs. Martha Kroll. Please do not ask her for stories that is embargoed. Remember, we signed that, Ms. Kroll. So, yeah, no. No, but I wanna thank Mrs. Kroll for being an incredible teacher, a mentor, and a friend. Thank you. And last but not least, I have my father, Warren Morgan Sr. here from Chicago, who came here uh, just in support for this event. My mom and my sisters, they're watching it live stream, they couldn't be here today, but I thank you for being my prayer partners and my rocks. So thank you. So today is my 108th day as the CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District and I could not be more grateful. Whenever people ask me, how is it going with the transition, I always say three words, busy, but rewarding. Uh, And I mean it, Uh, this is truly my dream job. Since arriving in Cleveland, I have prioritized listening and learning in my first 100 plus days. And believe it or not, the vision for my CMSD listening tour started at a hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana, before I officially started. An incident took place on July 1st, 2023. I had already accepted the role of CEO and had moved my belongings out of my home in Indianapolis. It was too late to drive to Cleveland that night, so I decided to check in a hotel in Indianapolis for the evening. A late night storm had partially knocked out the power in the hotel where I was staying, and the elevators were not working, the key cards were not working, and the computers were down. So the receptionist was tasked with checking in hotel guests, manually going up, walking up the stairs, and letting hotel guests in manually. So when I walked into the lobby, there were guests everywhere. But I witnessed a highly agitated hotel guest. He was a black male from Nigeria. In his despondent state, he was somewhat difficult to understand. But his concern was clear. His luggage and wallet were missing from his room. He repeatedly attempted to explain this to the hotel receptionist, a white woman. Here's what happened. When he checked into the hotel, the receptionist walked him up to his room he dropped his luggage into the room. Then he left. When he returned to the hotel, the receptionist took him to what they both thought was his room, but all his belongings were missing. That was his issue, and the receptionist in the hotel was not taking his concern uh, seriously. His loud insistence only hardened the receptionist's response. She accused him of lying, she called him a con man, and eventually she called the police on him. When the police arrived, they were two white male officers. It was quickly apparent that they didn't believe the man's story either. They asked him if he had been drinking. Now, I was watching this and knowing how these situations can dangerously escalate. I stopped being a passive listener and talked with the police and the hotel guest as well. I shared with the police, perhaps this man was taken to the wrong room when he came back to the hotel, but they weren't trying to hear me out either. When I spoke with the man, he told me he was from Nigeria and that this was his first time in the United States and Indianapolis for a wedding. Finally, after a few minutes, I suggested that he go to the empty room that the hotel receptionist had taken him to and try to get some rest for the evening. Reluctantly, he listened to me and he went up to his room. Early the next morning, when I was going to the hotel gym, I asked the receptionist what happened with the guests that we saw just a few hours later, and her response still bothers me to this day. She said while laughing, believe it or not, I had taken him to the wrong room. His luggage was in a different room. He has everything. As I walked away, I shook my head and I told the receptionist, he was trying to tell you that last night and all he wanted was to be heard. When I left Indianapolis for the drive back to Cleveland, a rhetorical question dominated my thoughts. How often do we fail to listen and at what cost? Though the receptionist may have felt that that situation ended jokingly, that man was upset. And we all know that since she called the police, that situation could have ended very badly. The entire situation could have been avoided with empathy and intensive listening. In that instant, I committed myself to starting my tenure in Cleveland by leaping, listening with deep intention. It became my mission to identify a broad range of community stakeholders served by CMSD who have shared their grievances, criticisms, and thoughtful suggestions for how the district can build on current successes. Today, I am pleased to share with you what I have learned based on listening along the way. To date, I've hosted over 30 listening sessions across Cleveland. The sessions range from small intimate coffee conversations to two major town halls. Liberally sprinkled in, there have been multiple groups of diverse stakeholder groups. These groups have included representatives from the clergy, refugees, healthcare workers, community development groups, nonprofits, community centers, and representatives from Cleveland's banking, business, and sports industries. I also met with hundreds of parents, scholars, teachers, paraprofessionals, and CMSD staff. I've had face-to-face conversations with nearly 1,000 committed stakeholders. That number does not include the scores of people who have reached out to me as I've been moving throughout the community, or the parents who contacted me at my office. These are engaged people looking to be heard, just like the man in the Indianapolis Hotel. My listening tour was not designed for passive listening. During these sessions, there were questions that we asked of everyone who attended one of the listening sessions. These questions included, what is needed to improve the quality of education in CMSD for students and families? How can we partner to accomplish these goals? And one of my favorites, if you were CEO, what would be your first course of action? And finally, we asked, what should the core values of CMSD be moving forward? We've collected nearly 1,400 responses that we have been repurposing into a report that we will share with the community based on the listening and learning tour. Now, I briefly want to share a few examples of what I've learned from focusing on listening to some of CMSD's parents, scholars, and educators. First, let's talk about parents. Safety and security issues were the most pressing concerns in the minds of parents and student caregivers. I've heard parents express frustration over what they frequently see as a failure to build effective lines of communication between the schools and CMSD homes. That failure in communication often bears responsibility for the security challenges our scholars face at school or to and from school. As one CMSD parent ambassador expressed, the solution is a two-way street. Here's what she shared, to be truthful, Active involvement can't just happen when our children are acting up. We must stay involved with the child's education when things are going well and when things are going off course. Parents must know their teacher and stay active in their child's education. During my first 100 days, I met parents who were either ignored or have not been able to resolve their child's issues at schools. This must change. As a district, we need to see our families as partners in this work. If we continue to engage our parents and caregivers and provide them with support, we can have an army of committed adults all fighting for the very best for Cleveland's young people. To that end, we have already started planning an unprecedented event that will take place this spring where we intend to recruit 1,000 parents and community volunteers to street canvas and knock on doors. This focused effort will be on uh, pushing back against chronic absenteeism and re-engaging our scholars. We will be recruiting leaders and parents and community volunteers, so stay tuned for more information about how you can get involved with that event. During my listening tour, I heard from educators and staff who work tirelessly every day with our scholars. Our educators are proud of the progress the district has expressed, but our work is not done. I heard teachers at my town hall at the Friendly Inn talk about how we need to ensure that we have excellent and equitable programs for our scholars to choose from no matter where they live in the city. Other teachers expressed uh, concerns about safety as well as a need for additional training in this area. Overall, I heard educators calling for continued thought partnership and communication with the district as we solve some of the toughest challenges facing us. Educators, I hear you loud and clear. Finally, to share feedback from one of our most important stakeholder groups, our scholars. As one young lady uh, put it in one of my listening tours, she said, students are the district's most important customer and our voice should be heard 99.99% above all other voices. And I agree with you, young lady, I do. And I'll say that was one of the toughest listening uh, sessions that I had, because our scholars did not hold back. It was no surprise to anyone in this convention hall that students are still complaining about school lunch. (laughs) But their lunch concerns that I heard go beyond the expected complaints. There were thoughtful observations about the limited amount of fresh produce they are offered at school every day. They also talked about, not having enough calorie counts if you're an athlete and you're the portions you eat during lunch and needing to go for a long day and needing to have nourishment throughout the day. So last month, I joined the Young Man Again Academy for a lunch so that I could experience what students are experiencing every day. I also wanted to get the experience of our CMSD nutrition staff. Though this was the experience at one school, I learned that I must continue to seek the perspectives of more students at more schools. Our CMSD Department of Nutrition prioritizes increasing the volume of fresh farm to table produce that is served to our scholars daily. But we're also exploring ways to continue to make the student dining experience more fulfilling, culturally relevant, and also satisfying. Now let me also briefly address another issue that is on the top of our mind of our scholars. And once again, that's safety. I heard two student leaders share One of them shared this, more safety to and from school is important. Lots of students are scared to go to school. Sometimes they worry that they will be attacked. Another student offered the following wise observation that came wrapped in a solution that is already underway. Start to develop closer relationships with other parts of the city of Cleveland, such as RTA, to develop stronger bus routes for school areas. Many efforts and partnerships are underway to ensure the safe passage of scholars to and from school. In fact, CMSD has partnered with the mayor's office, RTA, Cleveland Public Library, the Cleveland Police Department and other agencies to ensure we're working collaboratively on this effort. Based on the critically important feedback from students and CMSD bus drivers, I committed a day last week to take my listening tour on the road, literally. I wanted to see, hear, and feel what our students experience while traveling to school every day. So last Wednesday morning, I got on the yellow elementary school bus with veteran bus driver, Grace Watkins. I observed her extraordinary ability to simultaneously greet, drive, and chaperone CMSD scholars starting shortly after 6 a.m. As the first representative of the district that our youngest people see in the morning, committed drivers like Grace are essential to the safe delivery and retrieval of our scholars to and from school. I also had the opportunity to observe routes that our scholars take to school. Some of them travel very far just to get to their chosen school. That afternoon, I boarded an RTA bus with scholars from Garrett Morgan High School in order to observe the experience our high school students experience on public transit. Three of the high school school scholars I chatted with love attending Garrett Morgan High School. They shared that the commute can sometimes take up to an hour, but they said it's worth it. So I asked them, if there was a school like Garrett Morgan in your neighborhood, would you take advantage of that? And to a person, they all answered, yes. I provide these examples to illustrate how the power of listening and learning has and will continue to inform my leadership. Now, let's buckle up a bit and talk about an issue that our district will soon face. During the process of my listening to diverse stakeholder groups, I heard from people already familiar with the district, uh, the difficult choices that we will soon face as a district. Our district weathered the COVID-19 pandemic with remarkable resilience. Like all public schools in this area and also throughout the nation, Cleveland was a beneficiary of the COVID relief funding which enabled us to continue to educate our scholars during the worst of the pandemic. That funding helped us provide the necessary technology that enabled scholars to engage in remote and hybrid learning. The funding also provided tremendous wraparound supports that benefited families and scholars. That funding comes to an end at the end of this school year. With our federal funding ending at the end of this school year, we have some tough choices and challenges ahead of us as we look at our budget. Though the budget realities will prove challenging, there are some strategies that my team and I are working on that will help us navigate. Some of these strategies include cuts at central office, uh, ensuring that all of our central office employees are back in person at work starting next year, school year, reviewing current grants and where possible, repurposing them to support scholar learning and having an external review of our budget. Though there are uh, difficult decisions ahead of us, I'm committed to protecting schools and classrooms where possible, because the instructional core is our district's most important function. Eventually, I, in conjunction with the CMSD Board of Education, will be held responsible for making necessary tough decisions that everyone will not always agree on. But what I can promise today is that I will continue to listen intensely to the concerns expressed by all stakeholders. We will have focus groups on the other side of the winter break looking at our budget and some of the the decisions ahead of us. And we will be seeking your thought partnership on that. Now that I've shared some of the feedback and challenges, let's talk about the work we will collectively do to move our district forward. One of my first initial discoveries as a CEO was that I realized that our district did not have a formal set of core values. We needed to create a more formalized expression of our fundamental beliefs a structure on which CMSD's organizational behavior and that's its mission could be measured and held accountable to. Based on the thousands of pieces of feedback that you've provided, I'm pleased to share today the five core values the Cleveland Metropolitan School District will publicly embrace. And many of you were given a flyer when you came in that has these core values and the definition of them are on the back. There will also be something else you'll be given that will also be a reminder of our core values. This is what our community said we need to be focused on in our beliefs. First and foremost, equity and inclusion. Next, we need to be a district that is student and community focused. Next, growth and learning. The fourth core value, care and well-being. And finally, We need to be a system of excellence and achievement with a high bar for results. These core values will guide our decision-making process and heavily influence the strategic direction of our district moving forward. Now that we have a set of formal core values and beliefs that we as a CMSD community believe in, let's talk about how we will prioritize our work moving forward. You can imagine from hearing thousands of pieces of feedback that. There's a lot of work that the district must do, but if everything is important, then nothing is important. So we must be strategic about our priorities moving forward. So my team has looked at all of the pieces of feedback, they've read everything, and they've analyzed this based on trends, and I'm proud to share with you our five strategic priorities going forward. First and foremost, we must have a safe and supportive culture. Grounded in our next priority, which is making sure that every classroom, no matter where a scholar goes to school, has a strong and engaging instructional core. I've talked about the instructional core being one of the most fundamental C's in our three C's that we have as a district. Once we have that highly engaged and high quality curriculum, we must make sure that our educators are prepared to teach and deliver on that instruction. So educator learning is our next priority. And this was also a priority that was in our past strategic plan. We also must have a coherent central system, one that prioritizes our budget, our facilities, and also the communications of the district. And finally, we must continue to engage the CMSD community. Community includes, includes our educators, it includes our scholars, our parents, and all of you. We're all part of the CMSD community. These are our five strategic priorities moving forward. And our team will be working on making sure that there are initiatives under here and goals and priorities that will guide our work moving forward. And even though we have to look at some of our more specific goals that go under each of our priorities, I do want to share with you our five-year core measures. These are our North Star of the goals and benchmarks we set as a system. We will have college and career measures. One of those being a five-year goal that 90% of our scholars will be enrolled in college, employed in a high-quality pathway field or enlisted in the armed forces. Next, we will have a goal that our graduation rate, our four and five-year graduation rate will be at 90% or above. So it's important that our partnerships with Say Yes, College Now, PACE must continue and grow so that we can live into these goals. We will have achievement measures first setting a goal that 65% of our elementary scholars are proficient in ELA and math, and that our 55% of our high school scholars are proficient in ELA, ELA and math. And though you may see the, those numbers, you will be surprised some of our schools are less than 10% proficiency. We must celebrate growth. That's one of our core values. But achievement needs to be our bar. We will also have culture and climate measures, measuring the percent of our scholars reporting social emotional wellness, and also tracking the number of serious safety incidents reported in schools. And finally, we will have equity measures, measuring the percent of schools exceeding state growth expectations in ELA and math, monitoring our demographic subgroups proficiency to make sure we're uh, we're eliminating gaps between our racial subgroups and other subgroups looking at the disproportionality of discipline rates by race. And finally, we cannot leave our English language learners out. We will be measuring the percent of our English language learners achieving English language growth and proficiency goals. These goals are ambitious, but I'm confident we will get on the other side. And one thing I've learned as an educator for all the years I've been uh, leading is that you cannot do this work alone. So I'm so excited to announce to you the team, the executive leadership team, that will be supporting this work and working closely with our Board of Education to make sure we live into our ambitious goals. So I will name them by name, but they can stand as I share their names. First, we have our Chief of District Operations, Karen Thompson. Our new Chief Academic Officer coming to us from Atlanta Public Schools, Dr. Selena Florence. Our Chief of Equity and Culture, Dr. Trent Mosley. Our Chief of External Affairs, and no stranger to the CMSD community, Lisa Farmer Cole. Our communications officer coming to us with corporate experience from McDonald's and also government communications experience, Ms. Candace Gross. (laughs) Chief Financial Officer, Kevin Stockdale. (laughs) Our new general counsel, Andrew Roman. (laughs) Our CMSD Board Attorney, Kevin Bertsloff. And our chief of staff to be announced soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to work with each of you. We have a long way to go and a lot of work to do, but I know together we will do this work. So I I close this inaugural address with some special guests that I want to introduce to you that gives me hope, not only about CMSD's current state, but also our future. First. I'm greatly honored that we are joined today by the famed architect, Mr. Robert Madison. There he is. Mr. Madison was the first African American to graduate from Case Western University School of Architecture in 1948. Yeah. Mr. Madison, who turned 100 this past July, opened the first African-American owned architectural firm in Ohio in 1954. He also served as a member of the historic Buffalo Soldiers Army in Italy. But what gives me particular pleasure in having Mr. Madison with us today is that he is a proud CMSD graduate of the East Technical High School. I knew Councilman Starr would love that. (laughs) Class of 1940. Thank you, Mr. Madison, for your service to the country, for this community, and also being a continued thought partner of CMSD. It shows what our scholars can do when invested in. Next, I want to recognize another guest who needs no introduction, because she's one of my bosses, and that's Mrs. Leah Hutnell, who's the vice chair of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. (laughs) Since being appointed in August of 2022, uh, 2022, Vice Chair Hutnell has quickly distinguished herself as a highly vocal advocate for CMSD scholars. Leah is both a CMSD alum of Cleveland School of the Arts and also a CMSD parent. I see that her her scholar is here with her today. (laughs) Leah recently shared with me a report card that her grandmother, Mary Hobbs, received in 1950 when she was a student at Bolden Elementary. In the teacher's comment portion of the report card, young Mary is described as outspoken. Here's the report card, you can see it up there. Now, who knew that a quality that was once deemed as an area of improvement for Leah's grandmother would impact future generations of outspoken black women leaders? Yes. Now, more than 70 years later, it is amazing to work alongside Leah and the all the other CMSD board leaders on behalf of Cleveland's children. Vice Chair Hutnell, we're so blessed that you inherited your grandmother's outspoken nature and that you use that gift as an Advocate for our children in this city. Next, I want to recognize two freshmen from MC STEM Square High School, Makari Butler and Jamarcus Johnson. A few weeks back, there they are. A few weeks back, these scholars were given an assignment by their ninth grade science teacher, Patrick Dugan, about ways that they could improve Cleveland and make it a safer place. After a bit of thought, they had just heard about a motorist that was killed by uh, another driver that was coming in the wrong direction. And they thought, what if there was some type of signal that could alert drivers when another driver was coming on the wrong, uh, in the wrong way? So as part of their CMSD demonstrations of learning, these two scholars created a prototype of a, a device that would actually alert drivers of oncoming traffic when it's coming uh, their way. Now this is coming exactly 100 years to the month after Clevelander, Garrett Morgan, was awarded the patent for a stoplight, stoplight traffic signal device. And two of our 14-year-old CMSD scholars continue to innovate and use their minds to make our city great, uh, greater. Thank you, uh, Makari and Jamarcus. Finally, I close with a story of Khalil Anderson, a senior who was recently elected Student Council President at East Technical High School. Khalil is someone to watch. His principal, Dr. Timujin Taylor, describes him as quiet and reserved, but sees him as a natural leader. I met Khalil when I visited East Tech in September. We had a brief but meaningful conversation, and I encouraged him to stay in touch with me. Khalil took me up on that offer, and he emailed me. Now, there's something else that I recently learned uh, that uh, one of my staff members shared with me about Khalil that touches my heart and would make any educator proud. When a member of my staff reached out to him and said that we wanted to feature him in this speech, Khalil said he had been seriously giving thought about going into the education field and becoming a teacher or a principal after having met me. To that, I say, Khalil, come on, we need you. When I first met Khalil, he told me that I inspired him. But in response, I told him that he inspires me. You may remember one of the first things I shared to this community when I accepted this role. I said, I do this work for kids like me. We have no idea the places our scholars will go. So it is vital we sow seeds of excellence and encouragement that will help them grow into the future city leaders and country leaders and innovators we know they were born to be. Cleveland scholars, we owe this to you. CMSD is growing momentum. And I'm looking forward to continuing to listen to and work with each of you to deliver a world class educational experience for our city's children. Let's go.
0: We are about to begin the audience Q&A. I'm Kristen Baird Adams, president of the City Club Board of Directors. For our live stream audience or those just joining us, we are joined by Dr. Warren Morgan, CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District for his first State of the Schools address. We welcome questions from all City Club members, guests, students, and those joining us via our live stream at cityclub.org. For those of you here in person, we would ask that students please line up to the microphone on the window side here, and that our other guests line up to the microphone here closer to the wall side. As a reminder, please keep your questions short and to the point so that we may fit in as many as possible. If you'd like to text a question, please do so at 330-541-5794, that's 330-541-5794. May we have our first question, please. Good afternoon,
2: I am Alexia Zalata and I am a current representative of the Cleveland School of Science and Medicine. And I am the current founder and CEO of Latino Leaders Cleveland,
1: which is a...
2: <laughs> which is a platform setting created to spread awareness of Latino culture in Cleveland, Ohio. And how do you as the CEO in the district as a whole intend to spread awareness, raise ideas, and create initiatives surrounding culture into Cleveland schools to advance cultural diversity and support initiatives like mine.
1: Oh, that's great, thank you. Thank you so much for that question, yeah. (laughs) A few things that I uh, can share that I've heard also just been going going out through the listening tour. I know that our district has prioritized equity in the past and cultural uh, awareness in the past, but there are groups, that I meet with that say, you know, we don't feel seen, we're not heard, and I want to continue to hear more about ways that we can be partnering with groups. So, like your organization that uh, you're uh, that you're the CEO of, I love that. Uh, you know, we can work together as as, as co-CEOs. But I, I want to hear more about ways that we can actually be representing uh, you in the culture in schools. One of the ways I've heard uh, from actually families when I was doing the listening tour was even exploring ways that through the dining experience we can have different foods that represent different cultures. Uh, As you heard from the goals that I'm sharing, we're prioritizing equity and actually putting measures in place that there are uh, things that we're looking at for language access, because we do know not all families uh, uh, speak the uh, the English language. Uh, We also know that sometimes in the communication we put out as a district or even at events, we don't make things accessible for all uh, to to reach. I'm looking forward to hear your ideas and ways that we can be doing that, but it is something that is top of mind, which is why we prioritize equity and inclusion. So thank you.
2: Uh, good afternoon, my name is Merle Johnson. I'm a member of the State Board of Education. And I just wanted to say I really appreciated the story that you opened up with about the Nigerian. And uh, you, the way you asked, you said, how often do we fail to listen and at what cost? And it reminded me of the young people who are incarcerated at the Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention Center. How often have we failed to listen to them, which is maybe the reason that they're there. Uh, So often children try to be heard and we just ignore them. So my question to you is, have you visited the Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention Center? We have some members of the Cleveland Teachers Union who are doing a phenomenal job working with the young people there. And if you haven't visited, I want to know when you will.
1: All right. Well, for, to answer your first question, oh, no, that's a good one. <laughs> I have not yet, uh, and I have a goal that I'm getting into 90% of our schools. I think uh, as of today, I'm at 40 of almost uh, of all, our almost 100 uh, place-based uh, sites. So we'll have to get that one on there. I'll go and visit. I would love to see the experiences. You know, from my experience, I was a, a high school principal on the west side of Chicago, and I remember the challenges of many of our scholars because they were in and out of the juvenile justice system. And so it was really important to leverage programs like second chance programs, or programs that allowed our students to actually get the education they receive also while thinking about some of their post-secondary options. I'm sure some programs may be in place here in the district, but there also may be other ones that are not. So I'm looking forward to visiting and then also leveraging some of the experience I've seen in other cities of work that we've done uh, to help that that, uh, population of students. So looking forward to that and I accept that.
0: Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Morgan. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Thank you so much, sorry. Um, my name is Owen Pennington. Uh, I am the elected attorney general for the Ohio Youth Conference and the sophomore class president for the Cleveland School of Science and Medicine. I, to be frank, I'm greatly concerned with the level of IT restrictions this district has enforced. For example, many of the YouTube videos that are essential to the flow of our curriculum are being blocked. How do you, along with the district, intend on limiting these restrictions to further level the informational playing field among the student body. Yeah.
1: No, it's a great one. And I've, I've heard that before. Um, I'll share with you something that we have underway, uh, but I also want to you know, share and address the work I know our RT team is doing to make sure that our uh, district is safe, you know, making sure that cybersecurity is safe, and then also making sure that you know, the, our, the things our students are viewing and that uh, is also safe. But we also wanna make sure you have access to your curriculum as well. Um, we are having an IT audit. We just had done a safety and security audit um, from the Council of Great City Schools that we learned a lot about in terms of things that are working well in our district, things that need to be improved. And we're having that IT audit coming up uh, uh, you know, as well. Um, so that's coming up. We've been working with the council of the great city schools on that. So that is something I will share, because it's a both end. We want to make sure you get access to your curriculum, and we cannot open up the district to vulnerabilities for either uh, you know, cyber attackers or just content that students should not be viewing. Thank
3: you. Mm. Good afternoon, Dr. Morgan. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Cleveland. Um, I'm Councilman Richard Starr, War 5, I'm graduate of the East Technical High School. Make sure we put some respect on that. <clears throat> um, my, my question to you uh, relates to understanding the sports program. Now, I am big on sports because sports helped save my life as my mom raised me as a single parent with six children. Um, those coaches, those mentors poured on extra love to make sure that I was strong and be able to be outspoken as I am today. One of the things I I definitely want to make sure I bring on your radar is the fact that the Senate Athletics is the worst program in the state of Ohio. What what I mean by that is the way we hire coaches, the way we implement and train and help our kids is not their first priority. We have games starting for football at three o'clock. Name one parent in this room that can make it to a football game at three o'clock on a Friday. We have, we have teachers who just a teacher and they see an open for extra residual income, apply for jobs in the field of sports that they never played, never had experience, but they are the teacher. We look at our overall body of work when you start talking about the track. We have kids running around on track without no track shoes. Mm. So what I'm talking about, how do we bring the athletics to the forefront and address some of these deals that we have? We cannot be having teachers or people getting paid to do a job. And I always use this example. If Phil Jackson wanted to come coach in our Senate athletics, just because he ain't in a teacher union, he's not qualified to be a teacher or a coach for our school. Those type of problems exist every day. And at the end of the day, our students, our children are suffering because we ain't did everything that we need in our power. So how do, I, how do you address the athletics and really get someone over there that knows athletics and can definitely help our kids, like a Jason Dunn at the Cleveland Muni League football or or things like that. So I just wanted to bring to you um, my concern about the athletics,
1: the sports programming, and therefore, how can we address it together? Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that question. (laughs) A few things, and I think you said it was your cousin that shared this, I met your cousin actually when I was at the parade that you were hosting. uh, over the summer and he shared this direct concern with me and he actually birthed the idea of the listening tour for our athletic coaches who, that we were supposed to do this past Monday and we had to move some things around in preparation for our state of the school. So that will t- take place because I do want to hear the issues. Uh, one of the things that's really important um, for me as an educator is that not only the, the sports but also our extracurriculars are vibrant in our schools. Uh, you know. Thinking back on my own high school experience, I'm looking over there at Ms. Kroll, you know, at my high school, you know, we had excellent programs that many people have gone on, whether they were sports or in acting and all those different things that allowed us to actually not only stay engaged with the schooling process, because many of us, that's why we were there, um, but it also took us there afterwards. So that's a big priority of mine. But when hearing the issues, I want to hear the issues from the, the coaching experience. But I also want to hear, uh, you know, some of the policies that we have in place. And I do know that Miss Powell, who leads our athletic department, I know her team has been working really hard to make sure we address these issues. But I'm committed to hearing them. Um, it is really important. Um, uh, safety also. Uh, at our athletic events are also really important. So thinking about the timing, the transit to and from. So willing to be a thought partner, uh, we will definitely have that, that meeting and let's just stay in touch uh, to hear because uh, I want to make sure you know we, we can uh, address those concerns as well. Thank you.
3: Hi, Dr. Morgan. I am Jasmina Bista who's also a representative of School of Cleveland Science and Medicine and I'm also the freshman president of my school. And I want to share my concern, which is how can you create educational strategies? And how can you proactively cater to the unique needs of students facing mental health challenges, particularly those without formalized IEP and 504 plans, Mm -hmm. to ensure a conductive and enriching academic environment that fosters their understanding and overall well being?
1: Mm, Thank you. thank you for that that was great um let me start with the curriculum but then i'm going to go back to um mental health because that is so uh so important one of the things i realized when coming in is that we uh we have you know many schools and i know our educators are working really hard in our schools and some of our schools you uh, our teachers actually have a, a, a curriculum that they love they're like i feel really trained and it's actually getting results in some cases we have uh, you know, curricular programs that we need to build out and also making sure that we uh, are providing that support not only to our educators and our students. Uh, One of the things, you know, we're bringing our uh, new chief academic officer on board that we'll be looking at is finding out what programs are actually working and actually getting the results that we need and also how can we streamline our our resources so that us at the central office that are tasked with supporting educators in service of scholars, uh, that we actually are able to provide that support. So that's something we'll be uh, looking into. Um, you, you also mentioned uh, mental health, which I think that is, is always top of mind. Um, and you know I know that's something that our team has been prioritizing. We have our new division of equity and culture. Uh, and one of the reasons why we created that division, it is looking at the culture of our staff, the culture of our students, and also the culture of our community. And finding out areas where, once again, we've been doing good work in and areas where we have not been doing great work in. Um, You also mentioned special education. And I will say that coming in, I have heard many concerns that we need to continue to look at. I know our our special education team is working really hard to address some of these issues. But I have quite frankly heard from some parents that have said, we have not gotten the services. Uh, We need to expand and look at those resources. And so uh, I'm naming all of the challenges. Uh, These things do not happen overnight, but it is our commitment and our responsibility that we owe to our our students that we work in conjunction to solve these. So thank you for raising those and the the work uh, continues. Um, Hello, my name is Kyle Williams and I am a sophomore at MC Square STEM High School. And I'm also a FIRST Robotics student. And as a FIRST Robotics student, I wanted to ask if you would bring more STEM opportunities to the Greater Cleveland area, because me, myself, I could say that before I joined FIRST, I didn't know what I was really gonna do in life. Um, If I'm correct, I wanted to be a meteorologist, but once I actually went into STEM and went into FIRST and learned how to actually hold my bearings and what I can do, That's why I really fixated on immediately. So I wanted to know if you can give that opportunity to more children around the greater Cleveland area, and also not just in high school, in K through eight. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Early exposure, yeah, early exposure cultivates our our, our minds. And uh, what I heard there, not only just about STEM, which we need to think about, okay, where are our STEM programs? How do more students have access? What I heard there was that after exposure to it, his mind changed, he was, he was blown away. And you know, when we think about all of our kids and what we offer all of our scholars, uh, we need to offer access and opportunity. I love the fact that our, our students can now choose which uh, high school they go to, but sometimes with the specialized programs, we're asking a 13 and a 14 year old, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And me at almost 40, I still do not know what I want to be when I grow up. So, so you know, we need to really make sure that what we're providing is opportunity and access so that if there are programs like STEM, if there are programs in social justice, if there are programs in education and training, that it is cultivating your mind and it's opening you up to opportunities. Um, because yeah, that may be the, the field you choose to do and then you may go on to college and explore many other different interests, but at least you have something in your toolkit that can um, help you succeed and thrive. So looking forward to that and thank you for raising that.
2: Hey, Doc. Hi. Um, Compared to all the other questions, my question is trash right now. But, oh no, uh, <laughs>
1: wait, first of all, wait, wait, wait. There are no trash questions, so you, you, you give it, yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, as you are very new to being the CEO and transitioning into becoming the CEO, I wanted to know what was like one issue, a rising issue that you really wanted to tackle as soon as you got into the role.
1: Mm. <laughs> I love it. Wait, yeah, Wait, that's also, a great question. Also, yeah. also
2: great. I wanted to know if I could get a picture after this. Can I get a picture uh, after yeah, this? Yeah, We can do that, yeah. <laughs> we can do
1: that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, um, oh, that's such a great question. Because I, I, what I hear in that question, you know, when I said the busy but rewarding, of course, when you, know, you prepare, you, know, you go to school to do these jobs, you think about, like, OK, what is your entry plan? Where are all the steps? we got to make sure we get the curriculum. We have to you know, set the organization up. And there's so much that happens. Like there's things that happen daily. Like even this morning while we're preparing this, our wonderful safety and security staff were like dealing with very serious issues that were happening in schools. And you're getting texts at 5 a.m. in the morning and say like, what are we troubleshooting? How do we do this? How do we solve this? And these are the things that happen that you need to respond to in the moment. But at the same time, we're tasked with moving the system forward and academic excellence. So what keeps me up at night sometimes is when I'm like, okay, there's, uh, you know, the operations of the district. I talk about our budget challenges. I talked about, you know, uh, you know, I know that we have to look at our, the footprint of our district and all these big picture things. And sometimes I just wonder like, yeah, what's happening in a classroom or how is our attendance, you know, is attendance up? Are we doing the most that we could be doing in our attendance strategies? And so um, these are the things that keep me up at night um, because there's so many other things to focus on and there's the moving forward of the district. Um, but, you know, that's why I have a team, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to uh, get all the team in place to help support that, uh, but thank you for that question. I'll keep the, that work top of mind, and that was a reminder of me to keep moving that work forward, so thank you.
2: Hello, Dr. Morgan, um, Hello. my name is Kayla Nettles, I'm an 8th grader and I'm, a, I'm the Student Council President at Nudie Baker School of the Arts. All right. <laughs> we, would like to, we would like to invite you to visit our school at your earliest convenience and my, my question for you is about transportation to the Cleveland School of the Arts. Many of our students would like to attend but have no transportation except for RTA. The trip is very long from our neighborhoods and many of our parents cannot take us due to work hours. Is it possible to have yellow bus transportation for West Side students, even if it's a shuttle bus that could pick up students from a designated bus stop? Thank you.
1: Yeah, no, great. Yeah. And you know, as I was sharing in the, the, the speech, one of the things I heard from actually being on the bus with students, many of our students are actually taking that long trip. And their families and the, the, the students, they're committed. They're like, you know, I'll do it because I want a quality education. And so sometimes the, the question is about transportation. I also think about the question about access and what does it look like to have a high quality arts program in, you know, spread out throughout the city in different parts of the neighborhood so that maybe you don't have to travel as far to get to the program that you want. So these are some things I wonder and think about. Um, I know that um, when I was in Indianapolis, we tackled that same issue. Um, and uh, looked at how we could actually provide uh, our our district in thinking about the equity of access of program across the city. So stay tuned, those are some things that I'm I'm, I'm thinking about. Uh, But in the meantime, definitely lifting your transportation concerns. All right, we're ready. (laughs) All right.
2: Hello, Dr. Morgan, my name is Plumetti. My name is Plumetti, eighth grade at oh, okay. um, my question for you today is if we could um, add more arts, arts at our mar- at our school. At the current time, we have we have vocal, dance, band, and art major. We would like to know if we could have drama as one of our majors. Oh,
1: drama! Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I would would definitely love to uh, go out there and and see the programs that are in action. Um, This also reminds me of a similar conversation I was having about CSA, Uh, because CSA is is uh, one of our schools of the arts. Of course, at the high school level, it is the one. And over time, due to some of the constraints, particularly with budget and enrollment, um, some program choices have had to have some some challenges. And so, as I think about the expansion of programs and access, uh, there's, decisions as an entire community that we'll have to think about is like how do we provide programs at scale um, and also with the current resources that we have. So um, def- I, I, what I want to do is come out to Newton D Baker, see what's happening out there, um, see how we can get programs out there, and also just think about um, some of the, the district choices we'll have to make moving forward. Okay. Do we have time for one more? Right. One more. Okay, one more. Okay. <laughs> Good afternoon,
2: Dr. Morgan. Uh, my name is Jason Hicks. I'm an eighth grader at uh, Noon D. Baker School of the Arts. All right. Uh, pleasure to be here today. Uh, my question for you I know you answered this question partially. Um, my question for you are, is about student lunches. Uh, some schools in the district have more options f- for lunches like fresh fruit and salad
1: bars. Do you have any idea when some schools in the district will have all these options? Yeah, no, great, great question, um, and yeah. I'm glad we got that last one in there because I said there's not a place in space I'm in with students where school lunches do not come up in place, and it's important, it's important that it comes up. Um, as you saw, I, I went out to actually see Uh, our our lunches that are taking place, and seeing some of the work that is underway. I do know that our uh, food and nutrition department, um, the CMSD nutrition department, is actually rolling out a plan where there are fresh salad bars in some of our schools, but I also asked as I was uh, talking to our operations uh, chief, I said, okay, what is, I had the same question, what is the timeline for us to get this at at scale? Um, I do know it's a commitment and it's work that we're looking into. and aside of that, I think the biggest things I've, I've heard were the choices and options that students have and then uh, the, uh, the portions. And so those are all things that we're, we're, we're taking. Uh, we hear you, um, and I do know uh, uh, our, our, our team that leads the food and nutrition, they're hearing those uh, concerns as well because I'm taking them up. So.
0: Thank you, Dr. Morgan, and thanks to each of you for joining us for the annual State of the Schools Address presented by KeyBank and PNC, with additional support from the Good Community Foundation, Cleveland.com, and The Plain Dealer in Cuyahoga County Community College. The City Club also would like to recognize the many organizations and individuals who sponsored tables for CMSD scholars. You can view a full list of those individuals and organizations in our digital program. Thank you for ensuring our amazing scholars could participate in the conversation this afternoon. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you as well to Nordson for its support of the City Club's Education Innovation Series and of course to our partners at Ideastream Public Media for their production support. Be sure to join us on Tuesday, November 14th. The City Club's Youth Council will host a forum about how the college admission processes will be impacted following the Supreme Court's landmark decision to overturn affirmative action. This forum is programmed entirely by the City Club Youth Council, and we're so very proud of them. But everyone is welcome, and you all should consider attending. To learn more about how your students can become involved in the City Club Youth Council, and also to learn about this and other upcoming forums, please visit us at cityclub.org. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you once again to Dr. Morgan. Thank you, members, friends, guests, and all of our scholars for attending today's forum. I'm Kristen Baird-Adams, and we are now adjourned.
1: For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org.